note. Um, give me two actually. I wish I could share my grape juice with you. Some friends of mine have these uh, dessert grapes and they always let me just go pick them. Uh -huh. And it's just that you don't have to add sugar to it. It's just, they're so sweet. They're magical. Yeah, I love it. Wishing I could give you guys some. <laughs> I only have about 58 quarts of it. <laughs> <laughs> Go big or go home. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, that's not popping up for me just a second. Wait, I'd never tasted grape juice like that before in my life. All right. Um, yeah. So in the book of Exodus, um, well, actually, let me try sharing my screen. Let me know if it, it flips out on us. Um, all right. Does my audio work or is it starting to? Nope, you're good. Okay. Um, all right. So in the book of Exodus, in chapter 12, uh, verse 14. Well, all of chapter 12, he's kind of lining out the Passover. And in verse 14, and he said, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And so uh, I find that very interesting as we uh, look at our, our current holidays that we celebrate and the, the ones that we don't, and how that has evolved. And so I think that that's kind of an interesting to, to look at and um, consider in our own lives. Do we celebrate the original feast days and have they been rescinded? Have they been changed? Or uh, are we to keep them in our generations forever? Anyway, uh, just kind of taking that and, and looking at the, the Seder. Um, so a couple of terms uh, you'll see, I, I think it's on page four, um, there's a glossary of terms, and um, I'm just going to go through those really quick and just kind of uh, kind of somewhat explain some of those things. So we have Abba and Ima, which is, you know, father and mother, and we will see them as they, they play their role throughout the, the text here. Um, we have the Chametz, which is the leaven, and uh, we are to go through our house and, and purge our, our houses of anything that's leavenized. So um, that means the grains that ferment or highly fermented sourdough um, uh, and just anything that, that's leaven, right? We, uh, to symbolize uh, everything that, that that portrays out through the Seder. So the word Haggadah literally means a telling. Uh, it's a telling of a story or tradition. A Passover Haggadah is a book that guides one through a Seder service. It includes the story of Israel's exodus out of Egypt, blessings on the food, songs, and questions by the youngest son, followed by his father's answers. And so, um, I don't know, that was kind of hard for me when I first was diving into uh, what all of this is, the, what's the difference between a Haggadah and a Seder and everything. So the Seder, uh, skipping down, it means an order or a se sequence, as in a ritual or a ceremony. 
So um, that's what we're performing is an order, uh, a ritual or ceremony, but we are using a Haggadah, a script, uh, a telling of a story in order to do so. And there's like thousands of different Haggadahs. If you've ever tried to Google them, um, they're kind of everywhere in <laughs> uh, from uh, Jewish ones to Christian ones to what have you. So this is the Haggadah that we're using is Avraham's uh, Haggadah for Juice, Joseph and Judah. Um, let's see, Yeshua, Jehovah. All of the rest we we know. We know Yeshua, Jehovah, the Torah. Um, but anyway, I found it kind of interesting to look at the word Seder, which is order, and kind of looking at how Todd McLaughlin describes what an order is. Uh, it's a group of individuals that perform the same pattern in order to unlock the power uh, behind the order. And so learning the patterns in order to, uh, to fulfill that. So this Seder, I, I just kind of ask as we uh, run through it, what is this order doing for us and how, what can we unlock once we have went through this order, this Seder? So uh, kind of having said that, let's, let's dive into the actual script. It, it takes probably a half hour, 45 minutes, but you know, if anybody has any questions or wants to talk along the way, you know, I'm not, you know, <laughs> super strict into the, the script at all. Um, but anyway, yeah. So on page five, um, and you were going to do both Abba and Ima, right, Tracy? Yeah, I guess I could be mama and papa. <laughs> All right, so I'll do the, the narrator part. It says, no ceremony in Jewish life is more widely observed than the Passover Seder. Within extended families, bonds are forged between the children and their fathers as new links are added and family members gathered from far and wide in solemn family unity. When reliving the Passover story, each participant regards himself as though he himself were delivered from the bondage in Egypt and stood before God at Mount Sinai. There, God revealed the terms of his covenant with his people and recited its blessings and curses. Today, celebrating the Passover serves a twofold purpose. First, we recall the great works God performed for our ancestors. And second, we look forward to similar great things he will do for us, their descendants, for all who keep his commandments in the latter days. So I think that, that some of that phrasing is interesting there, um, where each participant regards themselves as if they themselves were part of this story. And where else do we see that? We see that a lot in the temple, right? Where we're told to consider yourselves as if you are the actual participants here. Um, My turn? Yes. Okay. We praise you, O Lord, our God, who has sustained us in life and brought us to this season who has chosen us to be your people and designated appointed times. You have granted a birthright and noble heritage to all who keep your commandments. In the name of Yeshua, our Savior and Messiah, we dedicate this celebration to you. Amen. At Mount Sinai, God gave Israel commandments, which if a man keeps, he shall live by them. Nehemiah 9.29. Beginning with the Passover lamb, God also commanded Israel to slay animals, which served as proxies on behalf of transgressors to forestall God's justice, um, as recorded in Leviticus 7.37. Few, yet few understood that no man can be saved only through the redemption God had ordained through his son, as see Mosiah 13.28-33. 
Book of Mormon prophets taught that the law of Moses availeth nothing except it were through the atonement of his blood, Mosiah 3.15. Behold, this is the whole meaning of the law, every whit pointing to the great and last sacrifice, and that great and last sacrifice will be the Son of God, Alma 34.14. Still, they kept up the performances and ordinances of the law of Moses until they were fulfilled in Messiah, 2 Nephi 25.30. Actually, I'm probably just going to stop <laughs> quoting every single scripture there because <laughs> that'll probably get uh, old after a while. But all right. So now we move on to the section preparation for Passover. The Passover Seder takes place on the first evening of the seven days of Passover. In the hours leading up to it, all leaven and leavened items, such as breads and cakes containing yeast, are meticulously searched out and removed from the house. God commanded, Seven days shall you. Eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day to the seventh, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Let us also prepare ourselves by putting far from us any leaven of sin remaining hidden in our hearts. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven that you may be a new lump. As you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. One of Messiah's last acts was the celebration of the Passover feast as he gathered with his disciples in an upper room in Jerusalem. There he said to them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. All right. And then, uh, kindling the flame of the holy day. The mother of the home kindles the flame of the holy day to commence the celebration. Let me get my candles in there. Yeah, good mind too. <laughs> You'll just have to bear with me. This is my first Seder dinner. <laughs> I do. <laughs> this is my first time using one of these. How do I do it? <laughs> All right. So as the, the mother of the home kindles the flame of the holy day to commence the celebration, Ema recites this prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who sanctifies us through his commandments and commands us to keep this feast. All right. At the Seder, we drink four cups of the fruit of the vine, wine or grape juice. The first is for Kedush, the second for Magid, the third Berak Hazmon, and the fourth Halel. The four cups represent four aspects of our bondage and of the deliverance God has promised. I will bring you out. I will deliver. 
I will redeem and I will take. The four cups relate to the four worlds or ages. This world, the messianic age, the resurrection from the dead, and the world of glory that is to come. Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and will deliver you from their bondage. And I will redeem you with stretched out arm and with great judgments. I will take you to be my people and I will be your will be to you a God. And you will follow that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you for your inheritance. I am the Lord. All right, so we're going to talk about the first cup. Kiddush, sanctification, refers to sanctifying a holy day or the Sabbath day by reciting a blessing over a cup of the fruit of the vine. Just as God had commanded his people to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, so they do on all holy days. During the Seder, we will drink and replenish the cup four times. With the cup of sanctification, we commit our service to God and pray for his blessing on this day and throughout all the days of our lives. So if you want to fill your cups um, with a, a good swig, and then we'll all raise them as Abba recites the prayer of thanksgiving. All right, I'm going to laugh at your swig. Look at my swig. <laughs> well, you got some tasty stuff. Why not? I do. I got the good stuff. <laughs> oh, Lord, our God, we thank you. Oh, wait, should we raise it first? Trying mm -hmm. to spill it. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for appointing times and seasons for rejoicing. Bless our celebration of this sacred feast. Blessed are you, O Lord, who separates between the holy and the profane between light and darkness, between Israel and other nations, between the Sabbath day and the six days of labor. Let us remember with reverence our past when your people entered into bondage and no one but you could deliver them. Let us celebrate with joy how you delivered your people out of Egypt with the marvelous signs and wonders. And then we all drink the first cup. The burchats, the washing of the hands. In traditional Jewish homes, it is common to ritually wash the hands before a meal. This custom creates physical hygiene, but it also symbolizes spiritual purity. You desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden parts, and you will make me know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord 
and righteousness from God and of his salvation. All right, and then we all wash our hands. At the Passover Seder, we eat three kinds of symbolic foods. The first kind are foods that remind Israel of the hard bondage it endured under Egyptian taskmasters. They are carpus, maror, and charoset. The second kind is, uh, I get all these, mazza, unleavened bread which the Israelites ate as they fled Egypt. In their haste to leave, they didn't have time to leaven their bread, so it was baked unleavened. The third is Zeroah, the shank bone. It symbolizes the Passover lamb that was slain in, in place of Israel's firstborn sons. When the angel of God who slew the firstborn sons of Egypt saw the lamb's blood splashed on the doorposts and lintels of a house, he passed over that house and did not slay its firstborn. From the first kind of food, we eat karpas. It consists of greens or vegetables that are dipped in salt water and eaten. Okay, we're all together gonna say, what is the meaning of karpas and the salt water? Ready, set, go. What is the, what is the meaning? Of the carpus and the salt water. The vegetable is of lowly origins rising up from beneath the earth, and yet it becomes a, an integral part of a sacred feast. Likewise, a slave born nation grew to become the chosen people of God. Each of us, therefore, should strive to attain even greater spirituality. The salt water symbolizes the tears shed during a life of pain and suffering in Egypt. All right. So um, as we uh, say this, this next little phrase here, we're all going to dip the parsley in salt water and, and eat it. I forgot to get the salt water just a second. Okay. You need a window seal. <laughs> it is pretty funny. I got mine out of my garden. Oh yeah, wow. Already. The birds pulled up every single one of my onion starts though. I had to go replant them today. Oh no. Like, why? Tell me when you're ready. Are you Zoomers eating with us or are you just stalking? <laughs> if you won't turn on your camera, I call you a stalker. <laughs> All right, no comment. They well, we're doing that symbolically. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we dip our parsley in salt water and then we'll. Uh... And then I'll say that little thing. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created the fruit of the earth.
<laughs> All right, three matzot are wrapped together in a white napkin on the Seder table. This has several explanations. Some consider it unity of the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We know that Yeshua, as Israel's Messiah, understood it as unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The middle of the three matzah will be broken in two. Will a person at each table representing the Father please remove the middle matzah and hold it up while we bless the bread? So. I got to run and get mine. Look, here's the matzah that you can buy from Walmart. <laughs> is yours giant? Yeah. Mine is too. Okay. It was like, whoa. So um, this is the uh, matzah cover uh, that I bought on Amazon. So you can have a white tablecloth and just make sure that it's folded. Um, but you can see here that it has three different sections. And so I'm going to place a piece of matzah in all three, and then we'll take out the middle one and we'll break it and bless it. Let me do that. Or right break here. it in three. Uh, break it in two. Break it in two. Oops, <laughs> I broke the wrong one. These are kind of fragile. They're like little crackers and yeah. so it makes it kind of hard, but you want the, the top and the bottom one to not be broken because <laughs> that represents Elohim and the Holy Ghost. The middle represents Christ. All right, so we take the, the middle matzah and break it. Okay, I'm going to read. Removes the middle matzah and holds it up. You already did that part for me. Thank you. <laughs> Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. Right, fathers, please break the middle matzah in two halves. Take the larger half and hide it away um, in its own napkin to be recovered later. It is called the afikomen, that which comes later. Now return the smaller half to its place between the other two matzo. So I'm going to set the rest over here. And here's my afikomen bag. I'm going to place the, the other one inside. <clears throat> Celebrants originally ate a morsel of the Passover lamb as the last food item at the Seder. In times of poverty or scarcity, when people didn't have the means to sacrifice an, af, uh, an animal, the afikomen took its place. Celebrants ate the afikomen instead of the Passover lamb. Messiah is inviting his disciples to eat of his body and drink of his blood by partaking of the bread and wine at the Last Supper becomes clear in the light of his being the Lamb of God. In its preparation, the matzah is stripped and pierced, symbolizing the 40 stripes and the Messiah received from the Roman soldiers and the piercing of his body at the crucifixion. The concealment and later discovery of the larger half of the matzah symbolized the burial and resurrection as well as Messiah's ascent into heaven and his coming again in glory. 
Just as the middle piece of unleavened bread is broken, so too Messiah was broken. And just as the Afikul men, the part of the middle matzah that comes later, was wrapped in a white napkin, so too Messiah's body was wrapped in a white burial shroud before he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven and promised to return later. <clears throat> Fathers, now please take the smaller half of the middle matzah. <clears throat> really? We do that right now? Oh, I thought that was at the very end of the whole thing. Oh, are we not? Just a second. I got to... Through, I've read so many different Haggadahs this week or whatever, and so this one's kind of a little bit. I thought it was in a different order. Just a second. I think you're saving half in the other one that gets hidden, but you're taking the half that uh, was back in with the other two pieces and breaking it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it does say smaller half. Okay, gotcha. Um, so keep the, the Afikum in there. <laughs> and then um, take the smaller half. So when is your guys' Seder dinner? Uh, are you doing that tonight, uh, Neil? Neil, ours is tomorrow night at 6. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it takes about all day to prepare. <laughs> yep as you can see that i did are you i saw your recipes you doing the rack of lamb we, we do the leg of lamb and the rack of lamb nice their favorites nice that's so fun okay so fathers now please take the smaller half of the middle matzah break off pieces and pass them to each participant at the table Okay, and then all present recite uh, this next part. Joshua declared, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes in me shall never thirst. And so we all eat that piece of matzah. I have to hurry. <laughs> I sure hope there's some grape juice coming because that's kind of dry. <laughs> it is super dry. Mm. Okay. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they will look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one who is in bitterness for his firstborn. If all the children will now please cover their eyes, we shall we will hide the Afkamin at the head of the table. And we're all going to say together, ready? Great is the reward for whoever who finds uh, Afkamin. All right. 
and in our family we send the young kids out to find it and i usually have something like uh, let's see i can show you what i got this year oh cool like a a little lamb uh-huh so whoever finds it gets the the lamb as a remembrance uh-huh that's so nice. cool that's i love cute. that that's cute all right, so the Magid, the story. During the Magid, the telling of the story of the first Passover in Israel's exodus out of Egypt, the youngest son asked four questions. They addressed the needs of, uh, the needs of four kinds of sons. First, the wise son who wants to know, the wicked son who excludes himself and later learns the penalty that comes with it, the simple son who needs to know the basics, and the son who is unable to ask or who doesn't know what to ask. You will keep this charge as an ordinance for you and your children forever. And it shall be when you have come to the land of the Lord will give you as he promised that you will observe this ceremony. And if it be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this ceremony? That you will say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the homes of the people in Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and spared their spared our homes. Four questions by the youngest son. A volunteer is needed to ask the four questions. All right, and then I'll... Okay. Why is this night different from all other nights? On all other nights, we can eat leaven. On this night, why do we eat unleavened bread? Once we were slave to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, but God in his goodness and mercy delivered us with a mighty hand, a stretched out arm, and great judgments. On all other nights, we eat vegetables of every kind. On this night, why do we eat bitter herbs? We eat bitter herbs to remember how bitter it is to be subject to taskmasters, as our father, fathers, the Israelites, were subject to taskmasters in the land of Egypt. On all other nights, we don't dip vegetables. On this night, why do we dip them? By dipping them, we remember that a life in bondage is a life of tears, but we know also that even the hardest bondage can be sweetened by the promise of redemption. On all other nights, we eat in any manner. On this night, why do we recline when we eat our meal? We eat leisurely tonight because once we were slaves, but now we are free. So now the story of Joseph in Egypt. When a severe famine occurred in the land of Canaan, Joseph's brothers came out of Egypt to buy food. Years earlier, they had sold Joseph as a slave, and he had suffered much because of their treachery. But Joseph won favor with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who put Joseph in charge over all the land of Egypt. Joseph gave his brothers all of the food they wanted. Yet at first, they didn't recognize him, and he didn't reveal himself to them. When he did, the brothers were sorry and wept. In the life of Joseph, we see a type of Israel's Messiah, who was similarly unrecognized and betrayed before God exalted him before his betrayers. Joseph gave his brothers the land of Goshen where they prospered and became a numerous people. But after many generations, there arose a new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. He feared the people of Israel, so he made them slaves and forced them into hard labor. When he decreed that every Israelite male child should be put to death, the people cried to their Lord in their affliction, and he heard their cries. 
He remembered his covenant with their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and raised up Moses to deliver them. Since the time of Israel's deliverance from Egypt, God's people have suffered bondage on other occasions. Whenever they transgressed against him, God gave other nations power over them. But when they repented, God delivered them again. A second such bondage was the Jewish people's captivity in Babylon. After they had inherited the promised land and had prospered for many generations, they turned away from God. So God raised up the king of Babylon and gave him power to take them away into Babylon. The prophets predict that in the, latter, in the last days, God's people will again suffer bondage in a latter-day Babylon. Ye are the children of Israel and of the seed of Abraham, and ye must needs be led out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And as your fathers were led at the first, even so, even sh so shall the redemption of Zion be. All right. So we have two musical numbers. Uh, in a normal Seder, you're more than welcome to, you know, put music to them. There's lots of YouTube videos and stuff. I'm just going to repeat these. Um, uh, hopefully I'll have some cadence. <laughs> By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps on the poplars in the midst. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy, saying, Sing us the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the songs of our Lord in a strange land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth if I do nor remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, the Edomites in the day of Jerusalem's fall, who said, raise it, raise it to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us. Happy is he who seizes your idols and dashes them against the rock. And then Psalm 13. <clears throat> How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul? How long must I have sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy triumph over me? Look upon me and answer me, O Lord. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep in death, lest my enemy say, I have overcome him. Lest those who trouble me shall rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your loving kindness. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. When Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go, God sent plagues upon all the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh's heart remained hardened until the 10th plague, the death of Egypt's firstborn sons. I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. This will be a day of com commemoration for you to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generations. You will observe it as a feast day, as an ordinance forever. All right. And if you want to fill the, the second cup with, with juice. The second cup reminds us of the 10 plagues God sent upon the Egyptians when Pharaoh refused to let Israel go. They suffered terribly when they hardened their hearts against the God of Israel. So that we may not rejoice over the afflictions of our enemies, we shall spill a drop of the fruit of the vine as we recite each of the ten plagues. Thus is our joy diminished when others suffer. Rejoice not when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Oh, I guess we're supposed to fill the second cup right now. <laughs> 
jump ahead. All right. Um, oh. Okay, well, I'm going to get a paper towel as well. That's an interesting um, passage in Proverbs 24 7 that you just read, 17. Uh -huh. Not when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like. <laughs> as things have been shall be kind of thing like we need to to obviously remember that as we we go forward into the the second typifying of these things right very interesting all right so just as a full cup symbolizes joy on this occasion we are indeed filled with joy at god's deliverance of his people from bondage in egypt but let us also remember at what price israel's deliverance was purchased Many lives were sacrificed to bring it about, and let us remember that a far greater price purchased our deliverance from bondage to sin, the terrible sufferings and death of Messiah, the firstborn son of God, who paid the debt for our transgressions. As we recite each plague aloud, let us dip our little finger in the cup and allow a drop to fall, lessening the fullness of our joy a little this night. And so... Um, so Abba will say the, the name of the plague, and then we all recite the, the sentence or the, the description after it. We'll do a drop for each plague, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Dan, yep. the waters turn blood. to blood. Tesfardea, frogs infested the lands, the land of Egypt. Kinnam, lice afflicted the Egyptians. Arav, insects tormented the people. Dever, a pestilence killed their livestock. Shikin, the Egyptians suffered from boils. Barad, a hail destroyed Egypt's crops. Arbe, locusts swarmed over the land. Chazchek, the land was covered in darkness. Makat Berocherot, the firstborn sons of Egypt died. Okay, hold up the second cup. Blessed are ye, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. <clears throat> Dayanu expresses the idea that had God performed any one of his wondrous acts on behalf of his people and not done the others, it would have been enough. For which to be thankful, men will tell of the power of your marvelous works, and I will declare your good deeds. They shall proclaim your abundant goodness and sing for your righteousness. For each of his saving acts, we thus declare, Dianyu. So we're all going to repeat Dianyu after the Father. I'm going to mute myself and then just follow you, okay? Okay. <laughs> he had brought us out of Egypt and not executed judgments against the Egyptians. Dianyu. 
He had executed judgments against the Egyptians, but not against their gods. Dianyu. He had executed judgments against their gods, but not slain the firstborn sons. Dianyu. He had slain their firstborn sons, but not given us the Egyptians' riches. Dianyu. He had given us the Egyptians' riches, but not divided the Red Sea. Dianyu. He had divided the Red Sea, but not led us across the dry land. Dianyu. He had led us across the sea on dry land, but not drowned our oppressors. Dianyu. He had drowned our oppressors, but not supplied our needs in the desert. Dianyu. He had supplied our needs in the desert, but not fed us with manna. Dianyu. He had fed us with manna, but not given us the Sabbath day. Dianyu. He had given us the Sabbath day, but not brought us before Mount Sinai. Dianyu. He had brought us before Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah. Dianyu. He had given us Torah, but not brought us into the promised land. Dianyu. He had brought us into the promised land, but not built for us the temple. Dianyu. And now we all sing and dance the Dianyu song. <laughs> so you can uh, YouTube that in, <laughs> in your spare time. I have one if you want me to play it. Oh, yeah, sure. Sweet. Let me see if I can, uh, if it'll play at the same time we do this. Let's see. Does your family all dance that? Can you hear? I can hear your voice, but I can't hear like any music or anything. Okay. I don't know how to play it so that it. <laughs> okay. It was a nice try. You're good. Are you playing it like off of YouTube or something? It's on my phone. I've got a song downloaded that I've used for years. Oh, yeah. So probably share it somehow, but mm -hmm. um, oh, well. Yeah. If you could ever send that to me, I, I'd love to have it. I'll see if I can do that. Okay. But yeah, I found one. Uh, I think they recorded it during like COVID shutdowns because like all the girls are like in a mask and stuff as they're dancing. But um, anyway, it's a fun little dance that I watched the other day. Um, all right, Maror. Uh, you're muted. Sorry. From the first kind of food, we also eat maror. It consists of bitter herbs as represented by the dish of horseradish on our plates. All present ask, what is the meaning of the maror, the bitter herbs? The maror reminds us how bitter life was for Israel in the land of Egypt and how bitter life is without deliverance from evil. Just as the Egyptians were hard taskmaster over the Israelites, so our sins are hard taskmasters when we allow them to enslave us. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created the fruit of the earth. I'll eat a piece of matzah with horseradish. I was shocked I had some horseradish in my fridge. <laughs> Only three years old. We'll see if I survive it. <laughs> so it's extra bitter. Yeah. Ooh, I got a lot on there. I want to cry though. <laughs> all right. So we all eat that pizza matzo with, with horseradish. Oh, yeah. 
That's tasty. <laughs> All right. The horseradish may bring a few tears to the eyes, reminding us of the tears and pain of Israel's bondage in Egypt and of humanity's bondage to sin. Okay. Charoset, the mortar of affliction. From the first kind of food, we also eat charoset. It consists of sweet, dark colored lumpy paste, usually made of applesauce, whose color and texture recall the mortar with which the Israelites bonded bricks when they were enslaved in Egypt. The word charoset comes from the Hebrew word cherez, meaning clay. All present ask, why is the charoset sweet when Israel labored in bitter toil? It is sweet because we remember that even the bitterest labor can be sweet when our deliverance draws near. I'll eat a piece of matzah with charoset. Yeah, it's good that that one comes right after the horseradish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little messy. A little I gotta refine my Seder practices. <laughs> Right. The Zroah, the shank bone of a lamb, symbolizes the yearling lamb without blemish the Israelites slaughtered on the night of the first Passover. This became a traditional part of the meal each Passover. When no shank bone was available, an egg was substituted. All present asked, what is the Zroah, the shank bone of a lamb? The Zroah represents the lamb whose blood marked the homes of the Israelites. It shall be a token for you on your houses. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not come upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. By the blood of the lamb, Israel was saved. Sorry, my hands were so sick I had to wash my hands. All right. In commemoration of the first Passover down to the time of Messiah, the Lamb of God, Israel's high priest, sacrificed a yearling lamb without blemish from year to year at the temple in Jerusalem. The next day, John, seeing Jesus coming to him, says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Um, it was at the first of Passover. Uh, at the Feast of Passover, that Caiaphas, the high priest, condemned Yeshua to death. By so doing, he sacrificed the Lamb of God, through whose blood the sins of all humanity were atoned for. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we eat the meal that has been prepared this night, let us ponder the marvelous things God has done for his people down the ages. Let our hearts rejoice in the salvation he has wrought through his beloved Son. When the Lord turned again, the captivity of Zion, we were like those who were who dream. 
Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. May we long remember how the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror and signs of wonders. We will now give thanks for the food we are about to receive. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. All right. And then this is the, the traditional part where we would all eat dinner together. Um, you know, if you want to start eating as we <laughs> keep going, but um, just for interest of time, since we're not all together in the same room, <laughs> just having y'all on to, to watch us stuff our mouths. But <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. But, you know, anybody's more than welcome to start eating okay in micah 6 4 we read i brought you up out of the land of egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage and i set you and i said before you moses aaron and miriam after the israelites had crossed the red sea miriam and the women took up instruments as they danced and sang a song of redemption the righteous women of that generation were so sure God would bring them safely out of Egypt that they brought their instruments with them, filled with confidence that they would be singing a song of victory. Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang, Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has cast into the sea. At twilight on the second day of creation, God embedded a precious jewel in the earth, a well of pure sparkling water. From one generation to the next, the well belonged to those who knew how to draw its water. The waters of life, mayim shayim. Possession of the well passed from Abraham to his concubine Hagar and his son Isaac. Each patriarch and matriarch discovered anew the source of living water, waters in the desert. During their Egyptian slavery, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lost access to the well. Worse, they lost the memory that such living waters existed. On account of Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, the well reappeared during their desert wanderings. But why was the well revealed in Miriam's name? Indeed, she was a prophetess, a midwife, and a water bearer. And it was because of the power of her voice and her understanding of the nature of water that she was worthy to be a keeper of the well. Later, when Miriam passed away, the well ran dry and disappeared, as it says in Numbers 20, 1 through 2. Miriam died and was buried and there was no water for the congregation. The people complained loudly to Moses that they would die of thirst, but Moses couldn't sing the waters of creation up from the depths of as his sister had done. It was then that God told Moses and Israel how to address the well and urge it to bring up the waters of life. Then Israel sang this song, spring up, O well, sing to it. All right, and then there's the, the musical number, which you can YouTube and uh, kind of see the, the Miriam dance. I find that story so interesting. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it here after everything's gonna. I haven't heard that story. 
like that. It's very interesting. When me and my mom were, were first going through it, we're like, what? I mean, yeah, we, we study the Old Testament and everything, but like right. that was one that had passed by us. And and man, that was that was a fun study to like go through all of Miriam's story and the symbolism behind her and the well and all of that. It, anyway, it's a fun yeah. one. We'll tackle that uh, a little bit later on, but. Okay. It is time now for the children to find the Afghan that was hidden away when they discovered, when they covered their eyes. I'll fill the third cup. I'm gonna have to go to the bathroom soon. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, my dog Maggie's just sitting here like, why, why is everyone eating without me? Anyway, when we said that, well, uh, this is where we normally eat and stuff. Anyway, she just went and <laughs> had her little kibble and dinner and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Maggie. She's participating too, I guess. It's just funny. <laughs> She's <sitting there> <laughs> funny. <laughs> For this gift, we shall ransom the Afghan back from the child who finds it. All children say aloud, children, please find the Afghan. And it looks like I need to give him a gift. Yeah, so Ima then ransoms the Afghan from the child with a gift. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so fathers who broke the middle matzah and set it aside earlier, now please uncover it and distribute the pieces to the table. And here's the song. I'm gonna find it. 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 Every year at Pesach time, we eat the matzah and we drink the wine. We ask four questions one by one. But before the Seder's done, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find, gonna find me up before. Uh, you get the idea anyway. I love it. Thanks. How, how long does that go? Like, does it have lots of verses and stuff? Or? No, it's about uh, two minutes, is all. Mm -hmm. Sweet. We just play it while the kids are out chasing things down. <laughs> Run them hard. <laughs> That's right. All right. I think it's my turn, right? Yeah. So uh, the father distributes the Afghan and, and Abba says something. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has brought forth bread from the earth. All eat the Afghan. We have looked back in time and recounted the story of the Exodus. We have also eaten foods that help us remember those marvelous events. Now let us celebrate the redemption that Messiah, our Savior, has wrought for us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. 
Let us additionally look forward to an even greater exodus of God's people that the prophets have said will occur in the latter days. The days come, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from the lands where he has driven them. And I will bring them again into the land that I give to their fathers. <clears throat> As your fathers were led at the first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let, your, let not your hearts faint, for I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angel shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angel shall go up before you, and also my presence, and in time ye shall possess the goodly land. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. I'll drink the third cup. <laughs> You're feeling these <laughs> bigger and bigger each time. <laughs> All right. We give thanks to God after eating as well as before. Oh, me. <laughs> when you've eaten and are full, then shall you bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping the commandments, laws, and observances that I have commanded you this day. We thank you, O God, our we thank you, O Lord, our God, for bringing us to this point as we remember the sacred heritage with which, we, with, with which you have blessed us. Empower us as we renew our commitment to serve you by, the, by following the example of Joseph, who was the Savior of his brothers. This prayer we offer in the name of Yeshua, our Savior and Messiah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from now on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to where it sets, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory is above all the heavens. So now we all fill and raise the fourth cup as we give thanks. I cheated and brought four cups. Uh, it would have been a lot easier. I now see the, the wisdom. But look how full I filled them. You'll <laughs> spend the night on the toilet. Yep. I will. <laughs> it's really good, though. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, ruler of the universe, who has created the fruit of the vine. I'll drink the fourth cup. Jewish tradition teaches that the prophet Elijah, who ascended into heaven in a chariot of fire, will return at Passover. At Passover 1836, Elijah appeared to the prophet Joseph Smith to restore priesthood keys in preparation for Yeshua's second coming in glory. After this vision had closed, the other great and glorious vision burst upon us. For Elijah the prophet, who was taken to heaven without tasting death, stood before us and said, Behold, the time has fully come. 
which was spoken of by the mouth of Malachi, testifying that he, Elijah, should be sent before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest the whole earth be smitten with a curse. Therefore the keys of this dispensation are committed into your hands, and by this ye may know that the great and dreadful day of the Lord is near, even at the doors. As we close this Seder, let us remember the meaning of Passover and rejoice in the Lord our God. Let us follow in his footsteps so that in the glorious age to come, we may be worthy to celebrate with him the new Passover the prophets have prophesied. And we may all sing the Shalom Shevarim, and all present say aloud, next year. Next year in New Jerusalem. <laughs> that was great yeah so what did you all think what are your thoughts it's interesting going through these how many different uh hints or uh, carry through uh to our our ordinances nowadays that some of this has i thought it was interesting it said we're commanded to do this these beasts mm-hmm but yet, it's the first I've ever put that out. Yeah. At first, like the first time that I even heard that we were going to do a Passover Seder, um, uh, I don't know, it's probably like 2014, I'm guessing, at our YSA branch. Um, I was like, uh, should we be doing that? Yeah, I know you're like, am I being blasphemous? Yeah, am I being naughty by, you know, celebrating <laughs> a Jewish thing or something? And then, yeah. like, the more that I've studied it this year and, uh, well, the past couple of years, I'm like, um, no, this is actually what we should be celebrating, not the other <laughs> Roman right. things. I did this about 15 years ago in a homeschool group, um, and it was enacted, it was before they took away the church buildings for homeschooling, so it was done in the cultural hall, and it was big. There was a, ch a chair up on the stage for Elijah, we acted out all the plagues. Yeah, the frogs and it was really cool. It was really cool. But I had that same feeling. I'm like, I'm not sure about this. But it was by BYU. I'm like, well, this is written by BYU. It must be okay. Um, this one that Avraham has done is really cool in that it incorporates all of the script, all of the books, right? The whole thing in here. Yeah, I found that very interesting. Uh, you know, that being able to like quote it throughout all of scripture because all the concepts wasn't there something from the book of mormon too right wasn't alma yeah mosiah <laughs> was in there if i won yep really cool and i wonder if um imagine just imagine a jewish person coming back to the jewish faith wanting to have a seder and they they find this and they're like what is all this mm -hmm. what is Messiah? what is nephi you know, this year, been, this year I was really conscious of, I'm not, I'm trying to not even to use the word Easter. And like at school, I gave no chocolate bunnies today. <laughs> You're not the favorite teacher. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to give them chocolate next week or the week after, but I'm not going to participate in that pagan mm -hmm. nonsense. I, I never have given any of that our children Easter baskets. I've never said Easter or the bunny thing. We just haven't done that. 
Um, so I'm talking about 28 years. I, I just couldn't pull it off. I couldn't, I couldn't, it just didn't feel right. And that was before I could even understand why it didn't feel right. I thought it was okay as long as you did it like the day before, but now I, I see it way different. You see it way different too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I threw away all my decorations. I'm done. <laughs> I just bought a billion eggs too. My daughter used to ask me to hide them even during the summer, even if they were empty. <laughs> I'm good with egg hunts. I just don't call them Easter egg hunts. I just call them egg hunts, and it's not ever on Easter Sunday. Well, I like how Neil's got his little lamb that they go find. That's super cute. Neil, how long have you been doing Passover? Hey, the very first one I think we did was early 2000s um, with my own family. And then about every, it's not every year, it's like every second or third year. I've done it two or three times for my scout or priest groups. I've done it for, you know, this time it's my oldest daughter and her kids are, you know, they're teenagers now and they wanted to come and do it. So it's that's cool. It'll be with her family. So it's not every year, but it's every second or third year for the last 20 years. Wow. So the first time like, 20, 20 years ago, do you feel like you were doing the wrong thing? Well, I the, the first Haggadah that I pulled out, you know, used the Lord's name a lot and whatnot. I kind of had to water it down because I didn't like, you know, praying like they did I guess so I've it's it's been adapted over the years and I like what Abraham's got because he's incorporated more of Book of Mormon into it and I've made some notes when it's young children I won't read it exactly we'll paraphrase some of it yeah. talk about the symbolism um, and what it means to us but there's a the book I've got we have a whole bunch of songs in it that are based on, you know, common tunes that you know. And so the kids like to sing those. I'll have to, I'll send you a copy. I'll upload it to the Learning Zion site. That's super cool. Thank you so much. I, I like Abraham's because it, you know, gets a little more of the gospel in it. And I've had to interject that as I go. But yeah, we, I, I think we went to Israel, Cindy and I, sometime back in the early 2000s and the one thing i came away with a profound understanding that i didn't really understand before was that the savior was jewish mm -hmm. he was yes. in jewish tradition he studied jewish law he was a jewish rabbi he he performed all the jewish rituals and i don't think it had ever sunk in before that mm -hmm. so once once i had um understood that then the rest of this kind of made more sense yeah for sure it's sad that we um this just isn't part of our religion mm -hmm. sad that that yeah and like i mean in in all reality we are so gentile because we're we don't consider ourselves jewish right like we don't associate that you know it's taboo we just that's a whole nother religion and so it's like when when that kind of realization came on me as well like, like christ was jewish and and we're jewish too yeah we're 
Israelites. No, we're Israelites. And so like we're, we're part of so that. the Jews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he did the, the law of Moses was done away with. And so we kind of considered that this was done away with. And yet, like I mentioned, when we were talking about last days, these festivals and days are tied into everything, early church history. And yeah, because everything happens on key dates. Yeah, if it wasn't important to, to keep the, the dates, then those things would have ceased. I, I would, you know, have assumed, you know, with, with Christ and everything. But no, everything still works on that timetable. And going back to that Exodus 12 reference, you shall keep these in your generations forever. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. What about the Savior's birthday, April 6th? I mean, why isn't that? more of a focus yeah we have christmas <laughs> how can yeah. people stop doing that yeah. it messed with our calendars that's how we lost it yeah everything is it's just kind of reverse and stuff like i don't know uh, I've really started trying to like pay attention and be cognizant of the the Jewish months. I set up like reminders on my phone every time that a new month starts and, you know, some of the, the key Jewish things, even though, um, you know, like here's like the three main feasts, right? The, the Passover, the Pentecost and Tabernacles, but, you know, even, even Purim, the Hanukkah, those different things throughout the year, I still try to keep up with those somewhat too. Yeah. What what do you do at the other feasts? Like, is there a a ritual thing of? There's not as much like structure and uh, like a, but I mean there are certain things that you do during the the week, uh, the the festival of it and and everything. But a lot of it, the three feasts, if we remember back to, uh, you know what the the scripture says those three feasts are the main times that everyone comes and makes a pilgrimage to the temple. And so uh, incorporating temple worship in each of the three feasts, I think is key as we um, remember the, the different things. But um, yeah, I, as far as I know, I, you know, this is my first year actually doing, actually performing any of them. So um, I've, <laughs> I was focused on, on Passover and now my, my focus will, will then turn to uh, okay. but um, just like looking and, and researching what, what Jews today do, what the traditions have been and stuff. I really want to kind of bring all those together, um, but I haven't found like necessarily Haggadahs or, or anything uh, so orderly um, to perform, but anyway, I'll, I'll keep looking. And if anybody has any, I'll I, gladly. But I've, I'm going to reach out to a few of my Jewish contacts and, and kind of uh, pick their brains about things. So, um, have you heard of Prager? You've heard of Prager University, right? Prager. Yeah. So they did a. What is his name? Prager. The first his first name. Him and his friend did one over Zoom. I don't, I can't, I, I lose track of time. So I don't know if it was last year this time, Passover or the year before, but we, when we were all on lockdown, was that just, when was that? Yeah, two years ago. Was it two years ago? Has this been, have we been like a full year? Like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it seems like all time kind of went out the window. <laughs> it just goes so fast. Well, whenever, anyway, they did it over Zoom, the two of them, they both had their tables all 
set up and they did everything. And so that was a traditional, the traditional Jewish Passover. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. So I probably look that up if you wanted to see a Zoom of Prager doing it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of them. One of them might have been the Prager one, but um, my mom sent me an interesting uh, video yesterday of um, three Jewish people that have they're professors. They're professors, but like they've not I can't, converted is kind of like the wrong word, but they've accepted Yeshua into their their lives into their practice, right? Yeah. So they're they're more messianic, messianic Jews, yeah versus um the rabbinical you know we don't recognize messiah kind of thing but they were oh, talking that's huge it's uh, happening yeah the video is um like an hour-long talk between them about how the last supper is a seder meal and like all of the key elements through it and stuff anyway i'll i'll post that link but it's so interesting taking a look at that and looking at uh the different symbolisms because the Seder isn't anywhere from Exodus 12 all the way up until the Last Supper in the New Testament. That's the first mention of an actual ordered Seder dinner. And so, you know, some people wonder, like, where does the Seder even come from? Because it's not in the scriptures. Um, but, but yet there's that uh, the Messiah gives the actual order, the Seder, at the the last supper there and and how the that is so interesting oh my gosh the jews accept it um well i don't know like all of the the timing and, and all of that kind of stuff they probably performed you know passover things or whatever but over time how both the messianic jews and the rabbinical jews are performing much the same agadas now today and so it's just kind of interesting how that evolves um and i i don't know i'd love to know the full story of how it developed and everything but you know everybody has their prejudice and preference and all that kind of stuff with it so that one with the three uh jewish professors as they're talking they're they're quoting something that's apocryphal i can't remember which one it was because they did the jubilees but i don't think this one was that but anyway they were talking about isaac the midrash uh-huh and when he um uh, abraham took him up on the mountain to sac sacrifice him he was fully aware that he was going to be sacrificed and he said tie me really tight so that when when i am killed that i don't thrash and and break a leg because I need to be that Passover lamb. He needed to be kosher. And if he wasn't kosher, then it wouldn't be a proper sacrifice kind of a thing. And so, sorry before, yeah. And they said that was a, done at the time of Passover. And that was long before yeah. the Israelites were taken out of Egypt. So apparently this Passover thing has been a long, probably... <laughs> Adam, I don't know. But anyway, that was really interesting. Well, that is interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Wow, there is just so many pieces. It'll be so interesting when it all comes together and we understand it. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should have been doing that. <laughs> or oh, we forgot to do this, or you know. <laughs>
Okay, I have uploaded the one we use with all its songs and stuff in it. It's oh, so yeah. Entry, entry 14 on Passover. Thank you so much. So, Cameron, you were going to talk about Miriam more? What was, what was your story on that? Well, you're finding that. I just want to say that I come across something a few months ago. Um, I was talking about um, the millennium, and it, it was making reference that we'll still um, have a pilgrimage to the temple uh, on these uh, feast days and stuff. And uh, that's kind of where the, the ones that are heathens, you know, and haven't heard the word of God and stuff, if they, they come and come into Christ and they'll, they will uh, be saved. But if they, they, if they don't come and stuff, they'll be whittled out. Mm -hmm. So that everyone, uh, by the time that the end of the millennium, everybody will be a, a member of the church of the firstborn. Hmm. That's cool. Yep. Hmm. So it's interesting, um, as we were taking classes down at Education Week, a few years and stuff, um, there was one class that talked about the, the role of men and women in the Old Testament. The men are always in charge of the fire and the sacrifice, the sacrificial lamb and going to the temple kind of a thing. And the women are in charge of fetching the water. That, that's just the inherent roles, men and women. And I thought that it was kind of interesting, like, okay, like water is pretty heavy, right? <laughs> Why isn't that? Yeah. that I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. <Food. laughs> but it's interesting how that plays out. And if you'll look at all, all of the scriptures, uh, all of our uh, Book of Mormon, Old Testament, New Testament, and everything, the men are always doing the fire and the sacrifice. The women are always doing the water, even back to Adam and Eve and, um, different things. Anyway, um, I, I find it very interesting at taking that concept and applying it to the family proclamation. And you'll see hints of that, even though it doesn't, you know, specifically say that because law of Moses versus what we live now kind of thing. But um, what's represented by those things, right? Uh, the living water, the um, Anyway, you know, like at birth, there's there's three things present, right? Blood, water, and spirit. And mm. how the, the women really carry that through in lots of different ways. Here in the, the story of Miriam that we read, that when Miriam passed away, the well ran dry and disappeared. You know, much like a, I, I don't know, lack of a better word, like a menopause situation kind of thing, like the, the well ran dry. And as it says in Numbers, um, she was died and buried, and there was no water for the congregation. And so, um, anyway, it was interesting as we were researching this and everything, that Moses, Aaron, and Miriam are kind of this, like, first presidency in a way. And they all have, each has a specific object that is then placed in the Ark of the Covenant. You know, I mean, there's not much in the Ark of the Covenant, but there's three things, and each one brings something to that. And um, she's a prophetess, and um, uh, indeed, she's uh, 
over the, the living waters. You know, Moses has power over water to, to split the water and uh, divide the, the sea and everything. But looking back at Midrash and uh, uh, rabbinic texts and things, it, I don't know, I, I can't like quote it off the top of my head and stuff, but they were saying it was a joint effort. It wasn't just Moses. It was Miriam because she is the water bearer and, and she was, was helping part the sea um, as well as, as Moses's rod, right? And so anyway, it's just kind of interesting, kind of this principle of women and water and and how that played out then versus how it's going to play out in the future. And we see that, you know, wisdom uh, is, is usually a reference to the feminine and, and living water is something that imparts wisdom. Um, the Samaritan woman and all that uh, Christ tells the Samaritan woman there at the well. And um, anyway. Interesting. Yeah, there's just so many different like scattered ideas that I don't necessarily have at all <laughs> like that I want to like distill all of that down and like get all my references all put together and kind of maybe put a a little bit of a presentation together or something on it but I I think Miriam the story of Miriam is so um preciously forgotten I, I mean it's only for the, for those that really want to dive deep into the story and get it that it then kind of appears and it's kind of like this she, she is kind of this, this well that has dried up, but if you want to, we can follow the, the pattern of Moses and ask, and, and the Lord can, can reveal some of that to us almost. Anyway, I don't know, that's just kind of like a, a side note there, but. Well, I was going to tell you guys, um, this little podcast I listened to, the Sunday on Monday one, where Tammy used Lack Hall, yeah. she's doing like five or six bonus episodes throughout the Old Testament, that's her favorite, that's her wheelhouse. That's where she's, you know, she just, that's, she loves that teaching that one the most. Yeah. She's doing about six little extra podcasts on the unnamed women of the Old Testament. And they're really good. She did one on all the Marys. Uh -huh. Oh, it was mind blowing. It was just, mind-blowing and i've listened to one or two i think she's only done three i don't know so far this year i'll have to go look and you have to have bookshelf for that yeah but you can cheat like i do and <laughs> i just go read the sh the show notes and then she transcribes them so i just go read the transcription can you can you send links out to those <laughs> Nope, just I'm gonna make you learn. <laughs> Go to <laughs> Google, type in Sunday on Monday podcast. That's it will that. pop up, Desert Bookshelf, and then it'll say podcasts. This is right there. And then you click on it and you can mm -hmm. click. You can go back to her old ones. Like her first year was Book of Mormon. And it was in the Book of Mormon when she when she did the Mary one, and it was a full, like you could hear the full audio of that one. Is this the all in? Is that you said all in? Mm -mm. Sunday on Monday. Okay. Sunday on Monday. Nope. 
Laura learn how to do it. Sorry, Laura, but no, you're, you're I'm okay. a teacher. <laughs> you got this. I'm I'm in this Sunday and Monday. So how do you find those? The so, one you're talking about. So you have to go to Old Testament. Old Testament. Okay. You just scroll through to the women ones. Because it's just come follow me each week. Mm -hmm. But yeah, another thing that I found interesting with all of this is that the Lord loves drama. <laughs> it's kind of a weird way to put it, but like, <laughs> like our endowment, our ordinances. They're all a dramatic performance, right? We have actors, we're playing parts and we're saying certain lines and um, performing remembrances. Um, whether it's it's from our sacrament meetings to our endowments to to the actual feasts. Uh, the Passover one is, is another dramatic act where um, we can remember what the Lord has done for us. And so I find it interesting that, you know, like in the sacrament, what's the the main thing to always remember him and if we don't perform these these dramas on a regular basis we are apt to forget um and so i i don't know it's just so interesting to me how we as a culture just don't do that anymore you know we I don't know. We we go to other drama. We go to uh, Satan's counterfeit more often than we go to to God's uh, productions and plays. <laughs> well, think about this for a minute. There hasn't always been a written copy of the scriptures. It was remembered. It was taught vocally, and they had to remember it. Yeah. They had to say it. They had to remember it because. They wouldn't have it if they didn't. They can't just open their little phone out of their pocket and read all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And that, that oral tradition versus now we have technology and so it's too easy and, and we almost forget it. <laughs> well, and how long will technology last? I hope you all have hard copies. Mm -hmm. Like every truck, every backpack, right. <laughs> hidden everywhere. Even, even the hymn books. Serious. I put away hymn books. Mm -hmm. the church was putting out new ones oh i guess about six or seven years ago and they had a whole box of them and i took 12 i'm like i'm gonna keep these mm -hmm. they're scattered around and around my house and in my storage so i have hymn books i mean i can't remember the hymns mm -hmm. yeah and like how important the hymns are you know in christ time you know um uh, he's singing the halal songs all the time and uh, lots of those those different things uh, they're they're so important you know i quit listening to radio like so i quit tv two years ago now i've cut out radio me too me and too. so even when i'm in the car i don't do it but <laughs> i'll get one hymn stuck in my head mm -hmm. and I, i'll sing it for like an hour yeah. Where was and nobody's there to laugh at me, but it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there was one here. Where was it? It was the one that I was reading. <laughs> anyway, it reminded me of O Divine Redeemer. 
Bye, Neil. He's gone. Um, so yeah, Psalm 13, like the one that I was reading, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Like all of these things. If you've listened to O oh, Divine Redeemer, that was um, I don't know, the first time that I noticed it was at President Monson's funeral. I mean, that song just like rattled my my whole frame. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that one is basically like Psalms 13, like save me um, in my distress. Like there, there's so much to it. And I think a lot of these Psalms are uh, a lot the same way. They're, they're meant to convey that, that longing, that want to, to be saved and for the Redeemer to, to come and um, to marry us, save us, marry us and uh, bestow the blessings that, that, that marriage can bring. It's beautiful. I probably should run too. It's getting late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you all for, for showing up and stuff. And I'll I have this record, even though it's probably the most <laughs> unprofessional Passover, though. <laughs> but it was my first I one. So I was just learning. Mine too. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. And yeah, thank you. Darling, I, I feel like you're left out over there, but then I feel like you're part of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun eating your dinner. You'll have to go heat it back up. <laughs> I ate mine cold. <laughs> um, if anybody's coming to the tomorrow. ordinations tomorrow at 1038 Mountain Standard Time. Um, mm -hmm. But if not, we'll catch you on uh, President Nelson's talks next week. <laughs> oh, did you notice how he's the oldest prophet now? Oh, yeah. As of last Thursday. <laughs> Oh, Wait, wow. so we're not going to study this Sunday? Yes. Yeah, we're okay. Oh, okay. Uh -huh, yeah. So uh, tomorrow for Isaiah Decoded and uh, for Ordinations, and then uh, Sunday for uh, President Nelson's April 2022, all three of his talks. So tomorrow's at 9.30 your time? 10.30 my time. 9.30 my time. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. uh, I can do that. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so we are meeting Sunday. Yes. Shake your head. Yes. Sunday we're meeting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye. 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 Thank you. Good night.